Social networks like Facebook and Twitter facilitate interactions between individuals. Every message I send to you on Facebook goes through Facebook's servers before reaching you. This is known as the client-server model. And since the early days of the internet, engineers have always envisioned a peer-to-peer model where I could communicate to you directly without a company or some other kind of middleman brokering that relationship. Andre Stoltz works on Scuttlebutt, a peer-to-peer system for social graphs, identity, and messaging. Scuttlebutt is used by this group of open-source hackers, many of whom live off-grid, and they don't have constant access to the internet. In this episode, we discuss why someone would want a peer-to-peer, off-the-grid social network, we discuss how to build one, and the progress that's been made on Scuttlebutt by some of the most talented open-source engineers in the world. This is a great episode. I enjoyed it a lot, and I hope to do more shows about these off-grid group of hackers who I had not heard about before I did this episode. Andre Stoltz is an open source hacker. Andre, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thank you for inviting, Jeff. Very nice to be here. Yeah. So you came to my attention when I read your blog post, which is called An Off-the-Grid Social Network. Right. It's about, yeah, so it's about this peer-to-peer system for social graphs and identity and messaging. It's called Scuttlebutt. So explain what Scuttlebutt is. So Scuttlebutt is basically just a peer-to-peer database but the purpose is to implement the social networks and i'm talking really something that really looks like facebook now it's it's sort of like entirely peer-to-peer which means that you can use it even in the same lan so it's not something it's, it's not like bitcoin where you need to be connected to the internet you know you can still be like so it has this sort of mesh effect there are some types of p2p art which are sort of mesh you know that's basically, in a nutshell, of course, there's a lot to it, but let's yeah. see. Yeah, we'll get into that. So there have been other attempts at peer-to-peer right. social networks prior to Scuttlebutt. What had been the shortcomings of those other social networks? Right, so the one that comes to mind right now is Diaspora, which was sort of, which got that attention some years ago and if i remember correctly even mark zuckerberg also donated to that project but like diaspora is quite a different idea because it's what we call federated social networks so it's like sort of like email that you need to have all these different servers that will give out accounts to you so you still needed to like register it register to it with you know an email and a password so that means that your account was on one of these diaspora servers. And so that's a totally different approach to what Scuttlebutt has, because in Scuttlebutt, you can't even have like an account and a password somewhere else because all of the data is on your computer. So one of the nice things, even for onboarding as a user experience, is that once you open the Scuttlebutt like client, there's actually many clients, you're, that's it. You're, you're in. Because the the only thing that you need is like a public and private key, so crypto, and that will identify you. That's sort of like your identity. Like I also remember a bit from Diaspora. Like I wasn't one of the like early adopters or anything. I just watched it from the sides. But 
I remember they had all sorts of like implementation problems and security problems. So Scuttlebutt was built from the ground up like with a lot of crypto in mind. So you could consider it like closer to Bitcoin in the sense of how serious it, it takes crypto. So like, for instance, your, your newsfeed is not just like some data in a database, but your newsfeed is like your, your messages are, are what we call sig chained. So signature chained. That means that each message will sort of sign the contents of the previous message. Everything is chained and that is sort of to prevent uh, tampering. So other people can't like pretend that you said something or or skipped out some parts of your of your newsfeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll get into the elements of the yeah. the log the log structure that this is. You know, it's, it's fundamentally a log structure. It's a pen only log structure. But let's let's kind of start with the the network aspect and the and the higher level aspects. And we'll get into the technical stuff. Yeah. So you write in your post that. Quote, with social networks like Facebook or Twitter, the network connections centralize with their servers. And this is what you're talking about here. In yeah. Scuttlebutt, the network architecture looks like the social architecture. Why is this important? So this is important because people like don't tend to understand how network connections are. Like I actually asked some friends, you know, what do they think what happens when they use Facebook? They, they, they just actually thought that it goes through like radio waves, just like, you know, phone calls and SMS happens. They, they thought that like you're, you're using Facebook client that would like directly connect to your friend's Facebook client through radio waves. I mean, that's like people's sort of intuition if they don't know so much about technology. So that means that once that intuition is broken they feel very surprised or they feel like, you know, this is wrong. So I have some sort of experience with that because in Brazil, where I come from, people uh, use a lot, all these services. And sometimes the government decides to shut down one of these services, such as like they shut down YouTube for a while, for two days or something like that. And they shut down also WhatsApp in the same fashion. Just some judge decides that, you know, if WhatsApp company and Facebook company don't comply, we're going to just shut down this thing in the whole place. And this is like so fundamental because like a lot of businesses in Brazil are run on WhatsApp, not to mention, you know, personal communications and that kind of stuff. So people get surprised like, yo, what is this? You know, I thought that I could just communicate directly with my friends and people that I need to do business with. But actually there was some kind of, you know, thing in the middle. So I think that that surprise is 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 bad because most of the people don't understand how technology works and they like our, our natural assumption is that you know the the network connections match the the sort of interaction with people. So one of the ways that Scuttlebutt does that is like you can set up a server but the server typically represents a community. So you can get an invite for that server. So let's say, you know, we have a, let's say a football club or a baseball club, and you want to invite everybody related to that club. So you set up a server and you send out invitations. So that will really match, you know, the community and the, the people related. And the idea of Scuttlebutt is that you would have many of these for each community or circle of friends or something like that. And then you're able to connect to everyone that you or you, you, you need, you know? Yeah. So Scuttlebutt was originally made by Dominique Tarr, and he's yeah. a developer who lives on a sailboat. And this guy is 
really interesting. Tell us more about Dominique Tarr. So I wish I had met him in person. I, I met some other New Zealand people. So he's from New Zealand. And Dominic created a ton of NPM modules. And he started experimenting with some like ideas with peer-to-peer. Like Originally, he built Scuttlebutt, just the name Scuttlebutt. That was some kind of database that reflects what we have today. And then he noticed some security problems and he made secure Scuttlebutt. So we're, what we're talking about right now is actually secure Scuttlebutt and not just Scuttlebutt. But we just shorten it and we call it Scuttlebutt because actually the, the original Scuttlebutt is just sort of legacy now. So I don't really know like the motivations uh, that Dominic has because I haven't met him. But I know that he and others in, in New Zealand, it's not just him, are, are very sort of oriented on avoiding uh, capitalism and they are looking into you know cooperatives and and new models of like economy and society and that kind of stuff they're really into this this kind of things so i i would i would assume that that motivated some of their work here with with secure scuttlebutt yeah after trump won the election i was looking into like where are the places where you can go if like some sort of apocalypse breaks out and i think new zealand is like number one like new zealand is the number one place for preppers and for people who want and people who just want to live because the impression i get looking at dominique is like this guy is he's really independent and he wants to be self-reliant as self-reliant as possible he wants to be off the grid looks like he's just a full stack engineer and when i say full stack i mean like he can build his own self self self-navigating sailboat which is just incredible that's just ridiculous (laughs) yeah yeah I mean, do you know anything more about him? Do you know, like, does he, how does he make money? Or how does he, does he just have money uh, saved so up? From- he, he, he does consulting as far as I as I understood. Right. And a very, very similar profile of person is also Substack or James Halliday, who made mm-hmm. uh, Browserify and a hundred other uh, NPM modules. So also James lives on, on Hawaii and he tries to also build everything from scratch, you know, even his own house, basically. So yeah, these people have a different philosophy. And you mentioned about apocalypse. And I think that's a very interesting thing because when you think about how was the internet built, you know, the the question that sort of motivated the internet basically in DARPA was, you know, what happens if we get a nuclear bomb on this kind of data center on the East Coast, you know, or on the West Coast? Then they thought, you know, we need to sort of decentralize this kind of stuff, right? And... I think we're starting to wake up, you know, to that scenario again. Not like mm-hmm. an actual apocalypse, but in the sense that like the the trend in the on the internet has been to centralized stuff, you know, Google, Facebook, Twitter and whatnot. And now we're thinking like, okay, you know, these things can be vulnerable to abuse of power. So how do we re- decentralize, you know, again? So we're seeing the second trend. So I would say that like this is the, the internet. Sometimes on, on the Scuttlebutt network, we talk about the old internet, which is basically the web dominated by, you know, ICANN and Google and all these kind of companies. You know, that's not the actual like ideological I- internet that we had from 20 years or 10 years ago or something like that. Yeah, this is the same conversation I had with, who is it? Controversial guy, Moldbug. The guy who works on Urbit is basically the same yeah. thing, like lamenting the fact that we had this big dream of going to a peer-to-peer architecture for the internet, and we've ended up with client-server centralization, not even from the standpoint of like, oh, these nasty corporations and their centralization, but yeah. just like 
It's less fault tolerant. Yeah, it's it's less fault tolerant, and we we can see that pretty clearly. Like n- not so much or, or yet in in America, but like in Brazil, you know, people can just shut down WhatsApp, and that's really a bummer. You know, it, it really affects people's lives on a you know in a very s- strong way. So yeah, I would, I would say so. Yeah, and you know we'll we'll get back to Scuttlebutt in a sec. But I, yeah. I mean, these people like Substack. Do you know are they driven by this? this wanting to to be prepared for some kind of societal collapse or is it more like just raw self-reliance or is it just some combination of those things so i won't speak on behalf of their motivations but i as far as i've like you know understood what what is evoking from them is basically you know a realization that some structures we have can't be trusted and also uh, a realization that hey i don't actually need them you know, mm-hmm. I, I can actually live on my own. That's totally possible. Right. And and that type of, you know, lifestyle where, you know, yeah, like, sure, I could live under the system, but I don't need you. So thank you very much. I'll do my own stuff. That type of behavior. It's appealing. Yeah, I mean, it's appealing even for even for me, somebody who you know is very reliant on the system. Yeah, just that you know there is this occasional sense of anxiety that you know if the system blows up, then I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to need to figure things out from scratch. Anyway, so let's get back yeah. to scuttlebutt. So let, let's take a top-down approach. Can you describe the UX for a typical user who is getting started with scuttlebutt for the first time? Yeah, so the typical approach is you go to our website, which is, by the way, centralized, but, you know, you need to start for somewhere. So that's NZ, and there we have a ton of instructions, and then you're basically going to install a desktop app. We have many, but we have the sort of most common one is called Patchwork. That's a client for Scuttlebutt. Then you download that, and you're basically on the network. Now, that means that you're connected to no one in the beginning. So when you open the desktop application and you haven't done anything else, then you know, you're gonna see emptiness. Now there's a couple of ways of getting data. And that means that one of the ways is that you connect to some pub, that's what we call a server. So you need to get an invite from someone. And also on Scuttlebutt NZ, we, we have some links there to some pubs that you can sort of like join with you know a free free for everyone invite and the the other way is basically being on the same lan or local area network as someone else and then you're basically already seeing each other through that client app and you can just discuss so sometimes let's say if someone is on scuttlebutt already or let's say that they have a lot of data so there's there's no sort of like global idea of what is scuttlebutt just like there's no global idea of you know there's no global registry of all of the one-to-one physical conversations that are happening right now, right? Because that's the idea of a mesh. But let's say that a lot of some person has a lot of data on their Scuttlebutt client. You can just connect to the same Wi-Fi as them, and then your client is going to start downloading almost everything that that person has, and they're basically on that network because then there's going to be some metadata on who else is on that network and other kinds of pubs. So you start discovering that kind of thing. So you basically don't need to make an account because once you open the client app, it will generate a public and private key and that's your identity. So your public key, you pass that as if it would be your username. 
Now, there, there can't be global usernames because, you know, someone in China could select the username John and someone in America could select the same username John. And because it's a mesh, you know, they can't really just like say that this, just, just like you can't have unique names for people on the planet, same, same problem. As you mentioned, Scuttlebutt uses this protocol, Secure Scuttlebutt, SSB. Yeah. And this can spread information even in the absence of typical internet service providers. Give more description for how SSB works. So Secure Scuttlebutt is the database. Now, everything is, is, is based on that database. There is a, a protocol for like network called Secret Handshake under Secure Scuttlebutt which basically does key exchange. And there's a white paper written by Dominic explaining how secret handshake works. So that's just a way of, you know, two entities that have their public keys of just exchanging uh, information, as far as I understand. And then, so the database only has news feeds. So it's a pretty simple system because it's kind of like Twitter, right? So you have accounts and the accounts can be bots, accounts can be real people. And basically, the only thing you have there is just a, a news feed. And so there's not any kind of other place where data is stored because every sort of metadata can be also a message, such as, you know, I am following John Smith. That will be a message on my news feed. And also, you know, I liked what John Smith just said. The like is also a message on my news feed. So everything is recorded on that as if it would be my diary, my sort of, you know, everything that I do. So even things like, you know, my description of who I am, that's just a message on my newsfeed. So then there, there, there are different ways of how, on how you can like share that diary or, or log with other computers. So one of them is like LAN. So when you're in the same local area network, it's going to do multicast DNS. So that means that you're basically broadcasting your newsfeed to whoever is on that network. So that means that, you know, other peers are going to see that and sort of sync their their knowledge of, of what is your newsfeed. So your newsfeed is also immutable, so you can't actually delete any message. And that's how also, you know, things are uh, sig chained, so chained with signatures. And it may sound like a downside that you can't delete anything, but that's actually pretty good because you can't actually delete things in, in real life, let's say, you know, things that you said, if you say something on a stage to a lot of people, you can't just tell them like, hey, forget that I said this, you know, like permanently and reliably forget that I said this, right? People have this, their own memories and you just can't do that. So it's the same case with Scuttlebutt that, you know, you, you can you can tell people like, hey, try to delete what I just said. But you can't guarantee that people will delete that. And I, and I think that's quite an honest approach because on, on the internet, you can't actually delete content, right? There's still the, let's say, the internet archive and you can take screenshots of whatever people say. So it's, it's not really reliable to just like try to delete data. And I think Scuttlebutt doesn't have like a downside. I think it's just being honest about the nature of, of data. The append-only ideas are quite popular in software architecture today. I think yeah. this is just one side effect of storage getting so cheap as people start to say, okay, what can we do with infinite storage? Well, we can shift our entire architecture to 
having this single event store where you have yeah. a append only log of everything that has happened, every change to the state of our application, whether you're talking about Netflix or Facebook or Twitter, yeah. you can put everything chronologically such that if an error occurs or if an outage occurs and you lose a database, yeah. as long as you have the event store, you can replay all the events in the event store yeah. in order to restore everything. And that's sort of what Scuttlebutt is doing. And, you know, I think there are this this architecture has been studied a lot by, by blockchain people because yeah. the blockchain people yeah. are trying to create an immutable append-only transaction log for finance and it's you know it's, right. well not sorry not all blockchain not all blockchains are for finance but bitcoin obviously now i know that blockchains often use a data structure called a merkle tree i don't remember exactly how that works yeah, but I remember yeah. so, is, is that a, is, is there a similar approach in scuttlebutt that's a good question there might be so like just Explain a little bit what the Merkle tree is. I'm not an expert in these things, but as far as I understand, it's it's a hash of hashes. So you can right. have like a lot of data and then, you know, you just hash parts. And that's, I think, how BitTorrent and Torrent in general is that you can create a quite small hash out of like a lot of data, you know, right. type of stuff. Is but, it, so is, mm. so is it, it's a compression tool as well? I wouldn't comment on that. I, th I think, okay, you know, sure. in general, hash is just sort of like, yeah, it, it's not compressed because you can't like get that data back just from the hash. But yeah, as as far as I understand, I, I dig into Scuttlebutt quite a lot and I didn't see something similar to a Merkle tree. Okay. Yeah. But you, you mentioned like events and, you know, the whole history of uh, events. And I think that's in general an approach called event sourcing. And yeah, we source. use that almost every day with Git. So Git is also, you know, append only kind of. And yeah. one of the interesting things is that people already built a Git layer on top of Scuttlebutt because it, they are like similar type of databases. So they just sort of wrote that adapter, you know. And right, I mean, yeah. that's that's I think that's kind of profound. Like that's how all the I mean, even GitHub is essentially a social network, and yeah, identity is core to what GitHub is. So it's 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 interesting that at the core of Scuttlebutt is this idea that you have an identity which is yeah. manifested in your crypto keys, and and then your information which is just in this log, yeah. you know, append only log. And you can build essentially any popular internet application off of those features alone. Yeah. Like there are a ton of ideas, like such as SoundCloud as well. I'm sorry, SoundCloud. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit. Yeah. So they already built also a SoundCloud clone or, or inspired service on top of Scuttlebutt. It's called Ferment. And so for the data itself, like let's say this, the songs or the music, uh, that's stored, I think, in BitTorrent or something like that. But, you know, SoundCloud is also a social network because you can follow people and that kind of stuff. And I think there's a ton of other stuff like Instagram. It's basically just a Facebook without text. It's just images. I don't know. There's a, there's a ton of stuff. Maybe maybe not something like Snapchat, right? Because it basically de deletes data constantly. And I think that's okay because it's an honest, honest approach. You can definitely just record your mobile screen and then you won't, you know, you will have that data forever, right? If you watch something on Snapchat. So, but there is definitely a ton of things that could be built 
And the Git layer right now works really well. And it's actually comparable to GitHub because let's say when you push a repo to the Git SSB layer, SSB stands for Scuttlebutt or Secure Scuttlebutt. Then you're basically pushing a bunch of messages to your personal log, so your newsfeed log. And those messages are just Git commits, like the content is that. So one nice thing is that the, the push is immediate because it's just getting from your REPL and putting that to your local Scuttlebutt database. So you don't need to wait for any, any for a considerable amount of time. And also, if you're in the same network as, let's say, a bunch of coworkers, they will be able to get that with you know very high speed because you're on the same network. And then you can also run git ssb web and that runs a local server then like some http html server and then you can open that on your browser and you see something that looks like github so you have there the readme you have issues you have pull requests and when you open an issue that will create a message on your scuttlebutt log so you, mm. then you know it, it just works kind of it's it's very interesting approach so if I get on the same Wi-Fi as somebody else with Scuttlebutt, then Scuttlebutt can just spread the information that I have seen with the information that the other person has seen and resolve the diff. Can you, can you describe what happens in a sharing event? A sharing event. What do you mean with sharing so, event? So, so, so by sharing yeah. event, I mean, uh, I should have used that terminology. So, okay. so like, you know, let's, let's say I've, I've gone off and I've scuttle butted with, you know, a couple other people. Yeah. And then, you know, my friend has gone off and scuttle butted with another couple of people. And then me and my friend connect to the same Wi-Fi yeah. and our, our logs are going to merge, right? Like yeah. we're going to, so, so that the information spreads sort of like yeah. a, gossip protocol yeah. sort of can you describe like what what happens there i mean does it does it just get appended on or what's yeah what's i mean the, it the gets appended because you only see you know what am i missing and then you add that so the the diff is always pluses you know you don't have minuses because we don't have delete and now you may ask you know do i want data from my friend you know even like his friends and their friends so one of the important things is that there's always choice so because everything is in the client, right? There's no sort of like server which decides stuff. Everything is decided on your client. So it's like potentially configurable that you can say, I only want to get feeds from this friend or friends of of that specific friend or friends of all of my friends or two hops after that. You know, you can configure all of these things. So of course you don't need to like necessarily get all of the data that he has. Mm -hmm. uh, now, of course, we have a default there. I think it's two hops of so friends of friends. And you end up getting a lot of data sometimes from people that you don't immediately recognize. But as I said, you know, everything is on the client. So you can also say, I don't want data from these type of people. So you can just uh, block them. And yeah, so you can configure all these things. It sounds like you don't have the same problem that you get with financial blockchain because... Yeah. With the financial blockchain, you need everybody to have a copy of the entire yeah. transaction log unless you want to build some sort of centralization on top of it, which yeah. a lot of people are doing, and that's totally fine. It's just that if if that were the case, then you would have needed to gather everybody's information yeah. 
and that would quickly not scale because if you want to keep everything client side, yeah. you don't want to have this giant record that includes the entire social network. Yeah, yeah. So finance is fundamentally very different because you know you can transact money with anyone. So of course there needs to be this sort of global knowledge of what is money, right? And in the Scuttlebutt docs, we call this a global singleton, which is like a single, let's say, shared module that everyone re references. Now, in Scuttlebutt, things are just mesh, so you don't need to have the information about everything because it's really sort of based on relationships. It's, it's much simpler to understand than all kinds of other things because the data is your news feeds uh, and your friends' news feeds. And that's pretty much it, you know. So, of course, you can make more friends and that type of stuff. So, with blockchain, Bitcoin, for example. So, yeah. the, the way that Bitcoin is moving is... Assuming Bitcoin works out, it looks like it's going to work out, at least from my point of view. I mean, there are... It's been working. <laughs> it's been working. You know, you get people like Blockstream who want to build these side chains and lightning networks on top yeah. of it. And, and what these things allow is just faster transactions because yeah. you get these trust networks, you know, so you don't have to necessarily have the entire blockchain be copied yeah. to everybody's node. You get these centralized agencies of trust and brokerage. Yeah. So you could imagine people building nodes of centralization on Scuttlebutt. So for example, if I want to have a in-browser version of Scuttlebutt yeah. and I just want to hit some some server, if I do want to have client yeah. server, I mean that's the thing, that's what's cool about Scuttlebutt is you could imagine client server level Facebook on top of it and it would be totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It and it yeah. wouldn't be mutually exclusive with the peer-to-peer -peer beauty of Scuttlebutt. Yeah, and actually, just to mention quickly, there's uh, some clients. I think one of them is called Patch Foo, that do exactly that. So it's running on the server, and it's a way of people to get it running in the browser instead of downloading a separate client. So they could also use it, you know, on mobile or other devices, and that's totally fine. I mean, it's something you can do, as you said. Do you have? Yeah, because because it would be yeah. cool. I mean. I think Scuttlebutt's a great idea. I think it's really cool, and it would also be cool if, you know, I mean, the the disadvantages, you know, my under under the current situation, my mom is never going to use Scuttlebutt because she would have to download it and set yeah. up her. I I wouldn't say know. I wouldn't say never. I would say mm -hmm. you know in the current situation, <laughs> right? Like, because it can be it can reach a point which is quite user friendly, especially if we think of uh, like mobile. If we put Scuttlebutt on mobile, then you just need to download a an app. And that's it. You know, usually you need to download an app and make a user mm. account, which is also the annoying part. People don't like making new accounts and setting up passwords and confirming in their email. It's always a hassle. But with Scuttlebutt, it would literally be just download, open, and that's it. Mm, that's true. Yeah. And it's compelling that we are moving. I mean, you if you look at Snapchat as a leading indicator, yeah. people are getting more interested in privacy Technology, and I mean, you, you're seeing journalists. Every journalist is adopting Signal or yeah. Telegram or something encrypted that's you know allows them to collect encrypted information from sources. There is a public movement away from centralization. Who knows how how far it will go? But yeah, it's there at least. Yeah, yeah. I think people are starting to wake up about the problems that centralization can you know create. Mm. Yeah. Can you talk more about? 
like the open source community of Scuttlebot? Like, how do people how do people work on different stuff, and what what are the things that what are the tasks and the features that people are working on right now? Yeah, the development style is like how to say sort of it's like a like sort of group driven. It's it's not so much like a benevolent dictator for light driven. So even if Dominic has been the original creator, we don't have this approach where Dominic dictates everything and that type of stuff. So we actually meet every Wednesday. I think we even have like a meeting this week where, you know, we we meet over voice chat and we go through like what's the latest news, what is each one working on. And it's totally volunteer based. So of course we like Dominic it normally works on the actual protocol and the and the reliability of these kind of stuff. And then there's people working on the client apps like like Patchwork and etc. And it's just volunteer driven. And the things that we're having right now are sort of like Dominic is making the network more reliable and and the sort of network transfers faster. One of these things he's working on is called epidemic broadcast trees. Don't ask me what that means. It's uh, pretty deep. He found some stuff from some papers that helps. Then the patchwork like development uh, paused for a while because the main maintainer is just traveling for two weeks or something like that. But there's plenty of like PRs coming for that because we got a lot of people into the network and they just wanted to improve stuff. So I think like two days ago, we had like an update to the patchwork client that made things look nicer. I'm I'm working on getting Scuttlebutt working on mobile, and that's quite a challenge because I'm just basically huh. getting the the Node.js app and trying to put it with React Native. Now you know those two things were not meant to be, and also <laughs> React Native in, to some extent was not meant to be. It's kind of a hack. So it's a hack it on is. top of a hack. That's but right. <laughs> things are sort of like slowly working. It's incredibly painful to get it working. But I think it's uh, probably uh, less effort than rebuilding all of the protocol for iOS and for Android. And I think things are mm. possible. We just need sort of like UDP and TCP and uh, level DB is the main sort of database part where all the news feeds are and some crypto stuff. So all of these things exist already for, for native, like for Android and, and iOS. We just need to find how to get all these things talking together in the prop, talking with each other in the proper way. We we just had a show about React Native and the Expo team. Yeah. Can you tell me more about what are the challenges that you're encountering trying to migrate? So so I guess you answered my next question, which was yeah. which is going to be what what language is this written in? I guess it's all it's all in JavaScript, right? Yeah, it's all JavaScript. Of course, we use uh, LevelDB and Sodium. So LevelDB is for the database and Sodium is the crypto. And all of those mm. and those those two are like C based, so they're native. So they're the they're the native modules in in Node. So Node mm-hmm. sometimes have these native stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as you're migrating this to React Native, yeah. describe how that looks or what what are the challenges that you're you're encountering? So there is a thread where like thread in, in, in Scuttlebutt network, which is also accessible through HTML, there's a way where I describe all of my sort of hurdles with that. And basically I'm trying to first, I was trying to get the TCP layer working. So there's a uh, basically a polyfill for React 
Native, I think it's called React Native TCP, where it basically just imitates the TCP sockets that Node has. And that mostly works. I noticed that there was a problem with it that, you know, when you create the sort of constructor, you create the TCP socket with the constructor, it didn't support giving opts and, you know, things like that where like not of the, not all of the like parts are, are polished for all of these polyfills and you find bugs here, bugs there. One of the biggest challenges is that React Native doesn't support synchronous APIs. So if you do something like file system read directory synchronously, that just mm. that's, they, they just can't support that in React Native. I think it's because of how the threads work that you just can't expect things to be there immediately. So there's some waiting involved always. It would be good if everything would be like asynchronous callback based so that we can do everything. So I need to map out all of those parts that use synchronous APIs and try to re-architect things to use asynchronous. I raised this issue also with sort of the protocol people like Dominic and they acknowledged that, yeah, we should try to find a way to only use async. Mm. So just a ton of stuff. I, I got a... Let's say I got to some point where like you you open the sort of very raw app and it generates your private and public key. That's good. Stores them. That's good. Also, they, it's, a, it's a milestone. And then I got some sort of network connections working with my computer. So the computer would send some message to my phone through TCP on LAN and vice versa. And I'm trying to get like the news feeds to sync so that's my next milestones to actually get a news feed from a to b and backwards you know i i always admire people who work on projects like this because yeah. this is not the kind of thing where you can just search stack overflow for no way <laughs> <laughs> how to do how to do this what, what do people talk about on on scuttlebutt because i imagine Today it's just like a bunch of developers, like open source, basically like open source hackers, and maybe some privacy advocates who are maybe not hackers as much, but are just interested in this technology. Yeah. And it's always like social networks. Always the early days are so fascinating. Like I, I was an yeah. early user of Quora, yeah. and Quora was so interesting in the early days because they just the the network was seeded with just venture capitalists and like engineers and entrepreneurs yeah. and. It was a very fascinating web of information, and you know, back in the day, I was a poker player, and you know, I was on this poker forum, and you know, the the, the social networks really, yeah. the memes and the utilities that develop within a social network are completely reflective of the people in that social network. So, yeah. how does that manifest on Scuttlebutt? So, uh, you are correct to imagine that most of the people there are developers. There are some also non-developers, friends of friends, and that type of uh, connections. And it's interesting how the the blog post that I wrote like evoked this sort of lifestyle of off-grid. And a lot of people interested in this topic of living off-grid started joining. And there was a lot of sort of like discussions around that. Typically, we we had before that like discussions on open source, on decentralization in general, like living in a decentralized fashion with off-grid and that type of stuff. Nowadays, we get a lot of questions as well, how the thing works. But I think it's a really good thing that we target developers first because the the platform needs to improve in many areas before we can start like putting like all kinds of people 
And I think it's it's good that we attract developers in the beginning. And, you know, for instance, I myself was attracted to this network and I, I'm, I'm helping with the mobile part. And people who find other types of lacking things will also probably feel like helping in, in those areas that lack, you know. Hmm. What about the conversations that actually take place? Are people tweeting about what they had for breakfast or what their self-driving sailboat is doing today or so actually what exactly are they? sometimes yeah, yeah like those two things that you just mentioned yes like dominic has <laughs> like like written about how his sailboat you know is going to face some kind of cyclone and he also said like today i like fished the squid and i ate it for breakfast <laughs> and wow. he had a picture of the squid there it was like white white squid and he said it tasted like just sponge <laughs> so yeah and also substack or james halliday is like often posting about how he's building his own home with his partner and you know it's pretty interesting like like if you were interested in what i wrote in the blog post that's just like the tip of the iceberg they have so much stuff there going on but i think like in general the the discussions are like mostly development also philosophy and also all kinds of like economy and things like that and like i haven't had the need to block anyone yet you know even mm. though i'm getting data from all kinds of like people who have no idea who they are i haven't had the need to block anyone so there are pretty good vibes there going on mm. if you reach a certain scale there is going to be the moderation issue i wonder how how you could solve moderation Oh, that's an interesting question. So I don't think we have any, like, we don't have an equivalent notion of moderation as you have in, let's say, Facebook or Twitter. Of course, you can block people. So if you see someone who just, you just don't want to, like, read the, the things they say, you can just block them. Now, what cannot be done is that, you know, two people in Japan are talking nasty stuff and you want to forbid them to talk those stuff. You just can't do that. Just right. like you can't forbid people from saying nasty stuff with two walkie-talkies, right? Even the, the, the creator of, of walkie-talkie has no power in preventing people, you know, from using it however they want. It's the same idea here. We really, really cannot control what people do with it. It's like technically impossible. How much of tech needs, to, like, because this idea is basically like you're building the the core of a uh, of a protocol that you can build other applications on top of that's peer to peer yeah you're building it now you're building it for i mean you're building the client for iPhone yeah does it make you think like are you starting to wonder like how much other decentralized technology like do we need some decentralized hardware do we need open source cell phones to truly get to mm -hmm. the you know the dreams of peer to peer that people want cuz it, like, it seems like we're just moving towards a world where you know some people are working on peer-to-peer -peer stuff at, at at a pace that's you know is mm -hmm. as cutting edge as the people working on centralized stuff yeah so like one of the things that a peer-to-peer -peer network like scuttlebutt introduces is the need for storage you know because all of that data is with you all the time typically you don't have that with facebook or something else you download that always and so the amount of data can get quite a lot. Like currently my client stores, I think around two gigabytes. Most of it is just images and the actual logs, like the news feeds, they are around a hundred or something megabytes. 
So, I mean, that's okay. That's manageable because you can just delete pictures. Those are sort of like not essential for the, let's say, signature chaining part. And then that's like most of the data. And 100 megabytes or 200 or 300 is just not a problem, even for mobile phones. But, you know, at some point, let's say you're using it for 10 years, maybe it starts becoming a problem. And I think, uh, you know, sometimes uh, like demand drives supply, just like we have 4K TVs nowadays, you know, didn't have those 20 years ago. So people de demanding better image just drove the the supply for, for better TVs. And I think, you know, maybe in 20 years from now, if like peer-to-peer -peer social networks are a thing and they demand a lot of storage, then your phones are just going to have three terabytes of storage or something like that, you know? Are Does there scenarios... Touch the question that you were... Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Are there scenarios in Scuttlebutt that are similar to the idea of where you, you know, because in, in Bitcoin, you can yeah. lose your wallet, the credentials to your wallet, yeah. and then you just lose your ability to access your account. I, yeah. I presume the same problem exists in Scuttlebutt. Yeah, the same problem exists, and there's nothing that we can do about it other than you being very smart about keeping your data. So there are some approaches to this in Bitcoin that work quite well. Let's say the recovery words. So you can have like 24 words that will generate your key. So you could just use that and store it like as a paper somewhere, and then you'll be fine. The other approach is that you sort of leave the key management to someone else. You just store it in some kind of bank and you log in as you do today, right? You can do that with Bitcoin. Why couldn't you do that with Scuttlebutt? Mm -hmm. But I think what's important is that people have the choice. You know, I, I can store my key in some kind of bank that handles it for me, or I can store it myself in all kinds of different ways, right? But we just essentially cannot. It's impossible. No one has the authority over all of the accounts, so... We, we, we cannot just recover things for for people if they lose it. How is the growth trajectory looking like for Scuttlebutt? It's a bit hard to estimate what's going to happen, but I myself am investing a lot of time into this. And I think now that like the activity gone up, Dominic and others are also very excited about putting effort into this. And we'll see, you know, we'll see how people react to it. I have a lot of plans of how, on how to make it mainstream. That blog post I released was just like one piece of the whole plan. And I definitely plan to put a lot of different content pointing to Scuttlebutt. And yeah, so I, I, I really want to help this go mainstream. Probably not to the extent that it like, you know, replaces Facebook because that's like a humongous challenge. But just having enough people and enough resources that so so that people know that there's an alternative right you know if i want to leave facebook where do i go right now most of the people would say i have no idea but maybe in the future you know people would have some idea of you know what to do if they want to leave facebook well it seems like the way we're going is we'll have as many social networks as we do television channels because it's becoming so easy to build a social network and we have so much unexplored territory in terms of social networks. I mean, yeah. there's a there's a bunch of these things, you know, Musical.ly, Instagram, Quora, yeah. GitHub, and it's just going to keep growing. There's going to be more and more of these things. So when you say you're, you want to invest a lot, you want to make it into mainstream, are you potentially thinking about starting a business around Scuttlebutt eventually? 
not necessarily but i don't exclude that that possibility either and i would actually like disagree with what you just said because oh like, okay respectfully disagree you know what i mean sure. because we used to have a lot of social networks when facebook wasn't the largest thing ever i mean we had let's say myspace we had orkut we had all kinds of stuff and i think the tendency nowadays is that facebook because it's the biggest people have the assumption that everyone is on facebook so it becomes like something huge just makes it become even bigger and now with like all of the snapchat features being replicated in facebook i would say probably snapchat won't have a bright future you know so well, mm. so uh, my my belief around facebook this is what peter Thiel, the the first investor in facebook what he said he thought was the the core value of facebook is that it enforced the real identity is like it makes you put your real identity you can only yeah. have one account it's just your only thing you know on twitter you can have multiple different accounts yeah and that can be replicated right like you can google rep, google has it replicated well facebook yeah. uh, you know and google developed independently but you have your real identity on google sort of i mean i guess i have multiple google accounts you know one is for yeah. work one is for non work but just the notion that you ha you put some sort of stake in the ground that this is your real identity and you perhaps provide some sort of verification around that identity hmm. uh, i think that's really the novel the novel approach that facebook took and obviously that compounds interest because yeah. you know as you're building up more identity features on facebook it becomes more like your true identity but that's not to say that you can't build a separate identity platform yeah i don't know what to comment <laughs> Okay, fair enough. I don't, yeah. I don't mean to, I don't mean I don't mean to argue with you. I'm yeah. just I'm just uh, I'm just saying like I think I think Facebook is quite dominant right now, but I yeah. think it could be rivaled in the future. And I mean, I certainly want way more social networks, and I can think of yeah. plenty of social network ideas where I would not want Facebook integrated with it. Yeah. Well, right now we sort of have like that effect, but for IM chats, so some people are on Signal, some people are on whatsapp and facebook right. messenger and all kinds of you know different ways and i it can be a pro and it can be also a con you know a lot of people feel annoyed that there's different ways of contacting people so i i don't know like i i wouldn't say that like what facebook is doing right now is good because then we're basically giving them the monopoly over communications and yeah. there there is i do feel like there's a growing allergy towards facebook how do you feel about facebook these days I feel very negative about it because, yeah, because it's, it's just such a monopoly. It's basically like digitalizing your relationship. So we're just digitalizing all kinds of stuff nowadays. And Facebook happens to be the digitalizing your relationships and just making profit out of it. And I think that the way that it does that is by presenting itself as a necessary evil, because even like publishers are not like happy about Facebook, you know, but it's just they just have to be there because everybody is there. And the same effect for people who are using it as users. They just have to be there because people are there, you know. So, yeah. of course, Facebook tries to, like, create an ex excellent image of themselves and how they want to connect the world and etc. And how they want to keep everybody comfortable, all the users and that kind of stuff. But essentially, we are ended up with no choice. I mean, people are just kind of on Facebook because it's the big necessary thing. The other day I, I wanted to go to this uh, bar in Stockholm with friends and I wanted to use the Wi-Fi, but you needed to connect to Facebook. Uh, I mean, <laughs> and, and like, 
and like their page. I mean, it's like there was no choice. Once you connected to their Wi-Fi, they would open their Facebook page and you wow. had to like that. Otherwise, you would just not get access to their Wi-Fi. And guess what? My computer blocks every link from Facebook. I just did that. And so, you know, I just didn't have internet. Yeah. Wow. So okay, we, we, well, we are getting to that stage where, you know, Facebook yeah. will just be absolutely necessary and people are going to have the assumption in their brains that, you know, just it's just necessary. And then we might we, we may have no choice if we don't like build an alternative. And I think and, and, and that's why really I want to do something about Scuttlebus. So I have that choice, you know. Mm. Well, yeah, it's it's a noble pursuit, and I uh, I hope Dominique or or Substack yeah. ends up hearing this episode. I'd love to have them on the show and talk more about this growing. I mean, not just the growing allergy to Facebook, but just just the the peer to peer efforts. It's so the peer to peer crowd and this off the grid yeah. people are so interesting to me because of these course. are people who are they're so technically able, and yet they choose to opt out of the technical world basically <laughs> the technical world like they choose to opt out of the world that yeah. could give them massive massive amounts of money and power yeah actually a good terminology that's going around in scuttlebutt to describe these people are solar punks mm. they're people who are sort of you know kind of related to cyberpunks that they have low life high tech but they have a very optimistic view of the world and how we can use like solar power to just be independent you know and just get our resources from the ultimate source of resource which is the sun that's and that awesome. kind of stuff that's I, I, awesome. I should definitely invite them because i yeah. i don't know if i represented them correctly here of course i don't know them in person person yeah so maybe they have different views of the world that's nice no, yeah. beautiful i i would love to have some of those people on okay well andre thanks for coming on to talk about skull but i really liked your article it was thanks a really lot, great Tyson. overview really really concise uh, concise yet very well developed. I'll put it in the show notes. I think the listeners will like it too. So, so thanks again, Andre. Thank you. Nice uh, talking to you.